Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken, and we are back with another amazing episode on Amazing Business Radio. This time, I'm really excited because... We're going to go a little different direction. Dr. Dan Hill, PhD, is an internationally recognized expert on the role of emotions in business, politics, sports, and popular culture. And what he's known for is facial coding, not to be confused with facial recognition, but facial coding. It's going to be an interesting interview. Before we get into that, a couple of quick announcements. If you have a story that you'd like to share or a question you want answered, just reach out to me in any of the social media channels. I mean, I'm pretty much on everything, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you name it, I'm there. Make sure you use the hashtag AskShep and I'll answer your questions either right there or I will answer them via email or I'll do them on this show, or I might answer them on my TV show, which is Be Amazing or Go Home, which can be found on Amazon Prime, Apple TV, Roku. Uh, we now actually put the episodes on my YouTube channel, Shep.TV. If you go to actually BeAmazing.TV, you can see all the episodes. We finished season one. We're now into the third episode of season two. I think you might enjoy it. It's a great show, lots of great interviews, lots of business advice. All right, let's get to our interview. Dan Hill, facial coding. Dan, welcome to the show. I've kind of given you a little bit of a background, or the people a little bit of background on who you are, but let's talk about what facial coding is. Sure, facial coding goes to the fact that there are really two currencies in business, dollars and emotions, and they intersect. You can't possibly have an experience without having emotional responses to it. That leads to the question, however, how can I best capture and understand what that experience is for people? Charles Darwin, in his work on evolution, came to realize that in your face, you best reflect and communicate your emotions. And there are three reasons why. First, it's universal. We have you know, the ability that goes across cultures to indicate how we feel. It's hardwired into the brain. It's instinctive. It's like smiles, frowns. For, yeah. Uh, I, you know. I, I, eyebrows knit together yeah. and lower because you're confused and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, so first of all, it's universal. The second thing is it's spontaneous. The face is the only place in the body where the muscles attach right to the skin. It's quick, huh. real-time data. And the third thing, it's abundant. We have more facial muscles than any other species on the planet. In fact, the guy who was the first facial coder, arguably the first great one, Leonardo da Vinci, he got into studying anatomy. He wondered how people's expressions you know, revealed their emotions. And that got baked into why Mona Lisa is such a great painting. Uh, it's been said that the 25 square inches that feature our eyes, nose, and mouth are the visually richest territory on earth. Wow. And to understand that territory is an incredible advantage. It absolutely is. Because you want to know friend or foe. I mean, how are you going to build loyalty? How do you create satisfaction? Those are all emotional indexes. But if you're going to ask someone how they feel, well, they may not consciously know because the conservative estimation is that at least 95% of our mental activity isn't fully conscious. Wow. So there are things people won't, can't tell you, and there are things people won't tell you because they're being too polite. Yeah, and, and, but their facial expression will show it sometimes. Yes, it'll give it away. The yeah, face, it'll give it the away. The face does not lie. 
<laughs> so facial coding versus uh, facial recognition. One of the things we talked about before the show kicked off is what I actually said, oh, we're going to talk about facial recognition. And you corrected me. And I want to make sure everybody understands facial recognition is the kind of thing where I know who you are. And then you said, but facial coding allows me to know how you feel. Exactly. So for instance, I met with the London police chief one time. So they have cameras in the underground in the tube that can tell you who you are. But what he was really interested in was, how do you feel? And he said, I can give you a story of why facial coding means so much to me. He said, I'm a young detective. I'm in a cell with a convict. He's killed somebody. And I just get a little inkling based on a muscle twitch on his face. And I reach out and I grab his arm because lo and behold, he had hidden a knife in the cell and he was about to stab me. But his, his face revealed anger. And when I saw it, I just instinctively reached out to block his movement. Wow. So actors are capable of using the muscles in their face to act out an emotion, yes? Um, to some extent. I mean, I think if they're really good, they're going to immerse themselves in the role and how it feels and what it means. And that will allow them to tap into it much more naturally because an expression is kind of like a wave that gathers, has a peak and breaks on the shore. It's got a natural rhythm to it. And so when people try to mask with a smile, for instance, to camouflage, certain things happen. Like they will pull the expression on their face in a lopsided manner, or it'll come on too quick, linger too long, or go off too quickly. So the rhythm's off, the symmetry is off, and it just doesn't have that same feel. And I think at some level, we've got a BS detector, and we, we know that's not a genuine smile, and, and, and we don't buy into it as much. And so that's the difference between the amateur actor and Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, Julia Roberts, on and on. I mean, they, I mean, they can play that emotion so well. Yes, and, and very, very often the more attractive, handsome, or beautiful the actor or actress, uh, they don't have the same chops when it comes to the acting itself. They're there because they're a pretty face. They're not there because they're a good, authentic face. I did a project once for Bayer, and they found the most reliable index of whether or not their TV commercials sold well was the authenticity of the acting based on my looking at the various takes of the commercials. Oh, wow. Very interesting. All right. So early on, uh, when we started talking, you mentioned there's the intersection of money and emotion. Let's get into customer experience here. Um, I'm going to, I guess, I'm going to buy something from you. You're, you're the store. I'm the customer. And you're going to try to create this emotional connection with me. And you can read me if you're really good at what you do to see that I'm happy. Uh, but I, as a customer, also need to experience some genuineness from you as a salesperson. And by the way, this is a metaphor, this, this scenario of being in a store for any relationship you have, there, there's going to be a transfer of money for goods or services. So am I right? Both sides have the opportunity to study each and get a feel for each other's emotions. By the way, I'm not saying that anybody knows that they're facial coding, but subconsciously they probably are. Yes. No, we're, we're all facial coders. So there's a couple of important things here. One is emotions are really contagious. So if you're not really into the role of being the, the, the clerk in the store on this day uh, and you're emotionally disengaged, that's a problem because your emotions turn on when something matters to you. You care about the outcome. Uh, and people are going to sense that. The other thing is if the emoting is inauthentic, well, let's go back to the Bayer example. If you don't believe the acting, why should you believe the product or service? It transfers over. So it's contagious in that way as well. 
All right. So I, uh, understanding emotions allows, uh, for lack of a better term, it's like another way of, of, of collecting data is if we can, we can determine what are customers feeling based on their emotions, it will help us determine whether or not they would potentially come back, whether they enjoyed the experience and, and, and whatnot. It's like the NPS score uh, without, which is, you know, on a zero to 10 scale, what's the likelihood that you'd recommend me or a customer satisfaction score without having to give a number? Yeah, without having to give a number and to have it right in the moment. Mm -hmm. And it gives you, frankly, more information because there are seven different emotions you can get from facial coding. Yep, this and is I, where you're I getting into emotional literacy. Yes. Yes, yes. I've been reading about you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, it would be good if you got there because I can tell you a lot of people don't. So I've attended and spoken at all sorts of conferences over the years. Every now and again, just for fun, I've put up on the screen the top seven emotions with a one-word summary of what the emotion means. And I've just scrambled them. And I haven't even put in an eighth option just to confuse people and just say, can you match them up? And what I've discovered is that people get about 35% of it correct. Really? That's it, 35%. Really? So if you're not emotionally literate, and this is the second most important currency along with dollars, you know, you're really fighting with one hand behind your back. Yeah, so let's, uh, we've got a few minutes uh, before we take a break. Let's go through those seven emotions. And we come back, I wanna talk specifically about how they apply in the customer experience and service world. So uh, I've got them in front of me, but I'll let you roll with them since it's it's your story. <laughs> sure. Thank you, Shep. Uh, the first thing is we have approach emotions because even though I gave you seven emotions, they're not all equal. Mm -hmm. Two of them, happiness and anger, typically constitute about 70% of people's emoting. So these are approach emotions. Happiness means I want to hug. I want to embrace. It could be buying the service. It could be embracing the brand. It makes you open. So that's a great one, obviously. Anger is not hug. Anger is to hit, to hit out, to want to remove barriers, to make progress, to feel like things are unfair and impeding you. The other approach emotion is sadness. You long to be hugged, but you aren't getting hugged right now. You don't feel like the experience you're having is as gratifying and you know, satisfying to you as you want it to be. Then we also have two kind of you know, reactive emotions. They are surprise eyes go wide, mouth drops open, you're wondering what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that can shade into fear. Like, oh my God, this is what's happening to me. Uh, then we have two other emotions. And those are both adversive emotions. One is disgust, basically something's like, it's poison to us, we, have a, we wanna recoil or back away. And then you have contempt, which means you are not trusting, you are dismissing somebody, something, the brand, the experience itself. Yep. And and in looking at some of the uh, work you sent ahead of time, like you can identify these such as happiness. I mean, you, you mentioned the hug, but smiling would indicate happiness, uh, fear uh, I, or no anger. That was the other one. That's the compression of the lips. And, and uh, it's like the exact opposite of a smile. And you're just looking at somebody's lips. You can also look uh, apparently at their eyelids as well. You know, they squint or or, yeah, there, there are nine different ways that anger shows on the face. It is a very versatile emotion. It's a really important emotion in business. Uh, I often think of anger as meaning you've encountered speed bumps as the customer, and it's slowing you down, and you're not enjoying it. And you really have to get that into what flavor of anger is going on someone. But you can think of anger as like a snake coiling to strike. It yeah. does involve compression, typically around the, the lips 
and also around the, the eyes. Yep. And, and, and contempt, which kind of ties into anger and disgust, of course. I mean, again, you can see, I think it would be really interesting after people listen to this episode, I'll bet they'll go into the next room, talk to somebody that they work with, or maybe they'll go see their partner, spouse, friend, and just stare at their face, trying to figure it all out. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's a, there's a lot of information there. I've debated creating a T-shirt that would show side by side a smile and a smirk and say, what's the difference? And the answer would be profitability. Ooh, because, like because happiness obviously is great. You know, I'm open to the experience. I'm enjoying it. I want to run with it. A smirk, a contempt expression. Think of Snidely Whiplash, the old cartoon character. Yeah, yeah. Dudley Do-Right. Yeah, there you go. I'm dating myself. Yeah, he, he was contempt personified with a contempt expression. The corner of the mouth pulls up in a way. It's as if you're distancing yourself from the person you're encountering. And it means I don't trust you and I don't respect you. And if trust is the emotion of business, well, then you could basically say that contempt is the emotion of bankruptcy and also, frankly, divorce. Because if you've ever read Malcolm Gladwell's Blink, there's something called the Love Lab at the University of Washington, Seattle. And with 15 minutes of videotape facially coded of couples that come in for marriage counseling, contempt is the most reliable indicator that marriage will fail. Because you, you no longer respect the other party. And what doesn't work so well between a husband and wife doesn't work so well between a customer and a brand either. Yeah. So you, re you really want to stay away from it. That is the single most toxic territory. It's really more of an attitude almost that forms over time as much as it is an emotion in some ways. Yep. So contempt, we, we, we try to create an experience that completely avoids contempt as a reaction. All right. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more with Dr. Dan Hill, PhD on facial coding. And we're going to learn more about how this interacts with the customer and their experience. Don't go away. We're coming right back. Cult is not a scary word. My book, The Cult of the Customer, proves it. It helps you design a strategy to lead customers and employees through five cultural phases or cults. And good news, I've revised and updated the book. The new edition, The Cult of the Customer, is available for purchase now. It features case studies, tips, and tactics to guide you on the journey from uncertainty to amazement and build a customer-focused culture, a cult of the customer. So, what are you waiting for? Go to www.cultofthecustomer.com. Go there today and order. Join the cult that turns satisfied customers into customer evangelists. The cult of the customer. You're listening to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Dan Hill. Dan has written several books. Uh, the Bible, as he refers to it, is called Emotionomics. Now, that was Advertising Age's top 10 must-read books. It's been out for a while, but the most recent book, actually second edition, just came out not even a year or so ago, Famous Faces Decoded, a guidebook for reading others. This is the book that actually gives you the secret sauce on how to understand facial coding and emotions. And this might be the book that you want to get. So you can get that at Amazon, Famous Faces Decoded, a guidebook for reading others. So uh, Dan, um, we, we, we started to go down this earlier in the show, 
I walk into a store, I'm talking to the clerk. And again, metaphorically, I could be talking to the salesperson about the machine I'm going to buy for my off for my uh, building. And it's B2B, B2C, doesn't matter. I'm interacting. It's all about commerce. It's all about exchanging goods and services for money. Walk us through the process of, of you know, what we should be looking for and experiencing. Yeah, let me take a project that comes to mind readily. We were doing it for a retailer that had a shop at the Mall of America here in the Twin Cities. So let's start with the outside. You've got display windows. They're not available in a lot of situations, but inside a mall, they certainly are. What do you want to have that display window do for you? You want to have it create two emotions, surprise, because with surprise, the eyes go wide, the eyebrows lift. You are literally taking in more information. It is so hard to get customers' attention these days. Surprise means you got it. Mm. The second thing you want to do is either create hope or happiness. Hope is that I might be happy based on going in the store. And if you really have a great display, it's already happiness, which means if you combine it with surprise, you've got a wow. My eyes go wide, my cheeks go up. I've got like, wow, I got to get in the store. I got to see what they have available. I'm excited about it. Once you get in the store, what typically happens is a greeter or someone on staff comes up to you. And this is the first fork in the road past the display window. Now, if they approach you in a way that's kind of off-putting, it's too aggressive, it clamps down on you, uh, it feels really pat, you might be disgusted, you might be angry, or if there's a nice connection, then you get the happiness going, you have a vibe. Again, as I said earlier, happiness are contagious. Now I'm starting to actually look at the product it offerings. I really want to avoid disgust. Disgust is the nose wrinkles, the upper lip flares. Something stinks. Something smells bad, either literally or metaphorically. So as I handle that product, as I maybe even do a sample, you know, does it work for me? What's the experience, the intimate experience I'm having? Because disgust is a really intimate emotion. It's right up close. I am encountering something. I'm interacting with it. Now we move on to the counter. And this is really important because the checkout procedure, I'm thinking of this project we did at the Mall of America, their checkout procedure, which they were so proud of, was hopelessly cumbersome. There was a lot of emotion going on at the checkout counter, and most of it was negative. For instance, they had a loyalty program. Most people's reaction to it was contempt. It was too confusing. I don't trust it. You know, what's the hidden wrinkle here? What are you doing to me? You just want my email address. That didn't work. The process was slow. It created a lot of anger. The clerks were working hard. They were trying to interject happiness into the equation. And it was really one, hard, yeah. But it wasn't sticking. <laughs> the anger and the contempt were sticking instead. And then I said to them when I did the interviews afterwards and the manager and the company at large, I said, and what's your kind of your backside takeaway experience? I said, because it should be pride that I made a good purchase. Yep. Feel good I, about and, it. And I feel good about it that mm -hmm. I, I really achieved something just like Tiger Woods, you know, when he has the fist pump, when he wins a major and like, I got there, I did this. I said, what do you do on that side? How are you addressing that? Think about Disney does it where you take a snapshot at this point in the theme park and you get home and you look at the photographs, you go, oh yeah, that was a great vacation. What do you do to say this was a great sale, a great purchase? And she said, oh, I never thought of that. Well, that's the last closing step. We remember beginnings, endings, and high points. Don't throw away your ending. Yep. And so uh, the high points are in the middle, of course, uh, but it's not the entire middle. You can have a few low points. There could be some stressors. There could be negotiation in there back and forth. Uh, but many times that's 
pushed back into our memory because there's some other highlights that take over? Yeah, you, you want the product to be the hero, but you certainly want the employee and that interaction where they're a guide and, and they can get you to the best you know, deal for you, the thing that fits you the best that's available in the store or from the company online or whatever. You want them to be your faithful companion. Um, and but not bought to obscure the, the product because the product's what you're going to take home, not the employee. Well, and and I'll know. push back a little bit on this one. I think the product is extremely important. That's what you're going to take home. But the experience is what's going to get the person to want to come back, the customer to want to come back. Um, I always argue that the product can be bought anywhere. I mean, in a mall, if I'm going in to buy a shirt at the Mall of America, which has how many stores? 500, 400? A, a lot. A yeah. lot of stores. I could probably buy this shirt, this pair of shoes, whatever, at 10 different stores, maybe more. So the product is the product. However, I would think what we're trying to do is we want that smile on the way out, not because they bought a great product, part of it, but because a great experience on top of it. No, no. I, I, yeah. I, let me restate what I wanted to say. The, the negotiations might be a little down in the weeds. That may mm -hmm. not be the high point you remember, but you will remember if you think you like the person, if you thought they were looking out for you, if you trusted them. And you're right. We will have the most emotional response typically to the person. Uh, the product will come in second. The, the store environments and all those de decor elements can be a factor, but we will also remember the moment we're handing over our money. Because yep. that's the exchange. So it's all in there. But yes, you, you are right. The customer experience is very important. I would just say the sometimes forced greeting and the negotiations aren't as important as the sense that the person is there for you and cares for you and, and is making it pleasant. Yeah, I mean, I'll try to put it in a, a different way because I think we're, we're, we're tracking the same way. I just want to make sure there's clarity so people listening here because part of my philosophy, which I push through the entire show, is that all things being equal, product and even customer service, uh, it's the overall experience and uh, that's going to win. Uh, if you can deliver, uh, I believe that if you don't have a great service experience, no matter how good the product is, customers will eventually go somewhere else that makes them feel better about their purchase. Maybe that's the best way I'm saying it. Sure. And, and maybe I'll come in with two points there. So on the money side, you know, you can come up with pride. I got a really great deal and this is the right fit for me. Mm -hmm. You can come out with relief. I got a good discount. It was just less painful, more enjoyable, lower price than I expected. That's all really wonderful. But I think the thing that really turns the interaction with the employee into a home run, not just a double, is the me story. Because when you come in, you have your own story. Maybe you weren't satisfied with a competitor's product or the experience that you have with them. Maybe you've had this long longing, this, this need, this want. Do they hear you? Do they understand who you are and give you something that isn't a cookie cutter interaction, that they really sense who you are as a person? I think you will take that home. If they really absorb and honor your me story, who you are as a shopper. Right, I agree. That, yeah. is, the, that is the home run. So I'm going to buy shoes and I could buy the pair of shoes anywhere. And somebody says, why do you buy those shoes at that store? I believe the customer won't say, I buy this shoe and hold the shoe because you see the sole is thicker and all that. They bought, they've decided they wanted that shoe. They can get anywhere. Uh, and I think at, at the end, it's people will say, I love doing business with them because they, yes. and it's a person, uh, makes me feel good. They're always engaging. 
They're always knowledgeable. They're always friendly. And I think when you use that word always followed by something positive, you're creating the engagement and the emotion that you want them to have. The ability to read that emotion so clearly, instantly, quickly. And if we train our people properly to do it as a salesperson, I might have a leg up because I can sense right away, wait a minute, what am I saying that's not making this customer uh, feel great? On uh, When we talk to the experts who are in support centers, they have sometimes behind the scene, I had this, uh, um, I, I don't want to say the name because I'm afraid I'm going to say it the wrong way. Um, Kyoji, I believe. Anyway, doesn't matter. It is the ability for artificial intelligence to be able to read the emotions of both the agent and the customer. Say, agent, slow down. You're talking too fast. The customer seems to be upset. You know, ask the question a different way. It's really amazing, but we're not seeing them. But to be in the moment where you can see them, that's got to be a tremendous advantage that you can't, it can't, it's second to none. And to put it on steroids, there's even another level here. Let's imagine you're aiming for loyalty after all, repeat purchases. This is mm -hmm. the great thing. So if you really get to be the contact point for a customer who comes in and buys from you over and over, you can also see what I call their signature expression, the emotions they go to as a person. Are they someone who is kind of expecting to be disappointed? They kind of come in sad and your whole goal is to lift them up. Are they someone who tends to anger? That may indicate that they really like to be in control of the situation. How you're going to interact with them is a lot different in that case because a sad person, you're going to want to give them a sense of belonging, a re resolving their sense of isolation or that it's hopeless. So you're trying to bond with them. You're trying to instill happiness. If I have a customer who tends to be a bit more angry in their expressions, then I want to let them have more leeway, give them a sense of command that they got to survey the options that I put them out there for them, but they got to choose because an angry person tends to like to charge ahead. Yep. Yep. And, and that means I got a completely different style of how I should interact with them. Right. Famous Faces Decoded, a guidebook for reading others. It's available on Amazon. That's the book you want to get. We're talking with Dan Hill. We're at the end of the interview where I always ask the one thing question, the one thing you want to leave this audience. Have you thought about it? Yes, I have. And it's got to be anger because it's about 35% of people's emoting and anger is a second cousin to contempt. So what kind of anger do you have on the face? Could it be confusion? Is it concentration? Is it a light version of you know, being determined or is it outright resentment? You know, what is going on for the person? And then what do you think is the trigger? Uh, right. What is causing it? So if you focus on anger and remove the speed bumps, that's the, the probably the, on it playing defensive ball. That's probably the single best thing you can do. I like it because if you can determine there is anger, you can deal with the anger and you can turn that moment of misery into what we call a moment of magic recognizing the problem and resolving it to not just fix it, but to restore confidence. Great insights, Dan. Really appreciate you being on the show. This is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. This was amazing. <laughs> well, thank thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, that wraps up another episode of Amazing Business Radio. You know we'll have another great interview next week, so please come back. We'll be here. And until then, this is Shep Hyken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.